Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here, episode 329 of the podcast, where we're going to take a dive into how to handle that heckler, that mean person, the person that's trying to hurt your presentation. We're going to take a deep dive into that. I am back from San Francisco, barely made it back with the whole country shutting down, coronavirus, whole world shutting down. Got a brother stuck in Peru. People all over the country that can't leave their homes. It's crazy times. Hope you're doing well and staying healthy. You're getting a glimpse into human nature and how crazy people get when weird things happen. So let's dive into it. Let's teach you some great skills on to persuade, motivate, influence, persuade yourself, lead yourself. One of the most important skills you can ever learn because everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion and influence. Don't, don't, don't. So let's start off with the blunder, since we're talking about this coronavirus. This comes out of Santa Clara, California. This has gone viral. I think over 7 million views. So this health official in California has this press conference. Her name is Sarah Cody. She's a public health officer and a director for Santa Clara County. She was at this public event. She says, come on, start working on not touching your face. Because one of the main way viruses spread is when you touch your mouth, your nose, your eyes. Then later during the briefing, of course, the pages didn't turn very well on her notes and she licked her finger and turned the page right at the podium with the camera rolling. That is your persuasion blunder. Hello, no credibility. You just did what you asked them not to do. And that's a challenge. Everything's recorded. I'm sure she didn't do it on purpose. And I probably touch my face a lot more than I should, but it's just one of those things that just happens. But that would be the blunder. You don't get a lot of credibility. And of course, you become world famous with the 7 million views of people watching you contradict yourself. So be careful out there. The cameras are rolling. You've got to do what you're asking other people to do. Then off to our geeky scholarly article. This comes from the Journal of Creative Behavior and Yale University that emotionally intelligent bosses make for happier, more creative employees. Now, we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence on the show, and studies do show that your emotional intelligence, that they call EQ, is more important your success in life and at work than your IQ, your actual intelligence. So just to remind you what emotional intelligence is, it's perceiving other people's emotions, using those emotions to help you out, to help persuade, to help people think, to help people understand, So it's basically your emotions, your own emotions, and managing those emotions and reading other people's emotions. That's emotional intelligence. Some people naturally have it, and some people are just missing that filter. So research scientist Zorana Ivsevic, and this is the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, they looked at 15,000 people, and they found that emotionally intelligent supervisors, basically managers who read and acknowledge employees' emotions, helped them channel feelings, inspired enthusiasm, and were able to manage their own emotions. Now, when they found these supervisors that were able to do that, their employees were happier, more creative, and found more opportunities for growth. 
So it all came back to the emotional intelligence of their supervisor. And so these employees with these emotionally intelligent supervisors mentioned being happy three times more often than being stressed. But those that had supervisors that didn't have that filter, didn't have emotional intelligence, most often said they were frustrated, stressed, and even angry. So they asked these participants 20 questions. One, for example, was how often did your supervisor notice if someone was feeling upset about a work decision? How often did your supervisor generate enthusiasm to motivate others? Were some of the questions to peg if these supervisors were emotionally intelligent? So the researchers found that among employees with supervisors showing little emotional intelligence, 70% of their primary feelings about work were negative. In contrast, those employees with supervisors showing high emotional intelligence... Nearly two-thirds of the words they used to describe the workplace were positive. They also found that with high emotionally intelligent supervisors, employees appeared to be intrinsically motivated. They were challenged and fulfilled. And contrast that to those who didn't have supervisors that were emotionally intelligent. They were upset and unhappy at work. Angry, aggravated, irritated, and mad, as well as feeling underappreciated. Now, an interesting point here is that Emotionally intelligent bosses aren't necessarily optimistic or upbeat, but they do recognize that employees can't leave their emotions at the door. They can't leave them at home, and they make efforts to see circumstances from the worker's point of view. Valuable life skill, whether you're a manager, a leader, or a persuader, reading emotions, understanding emotions, using emotions is a critical piece to your success. So work on your emotional intelligence because it'll make a big difference in every aspect of your life, especially in the world of persuasion. Reading those emotions, using those emotions. We've talked about it many times on the podcast that most persuasion is emotional, that we are emotional creatures. We cannot not be emotional. Everything we do, everything that comes to our brain is tainted with emotion. It goes through our amygdala and is tainted with the feeling or emotion. It's just how we are programmed. Time for listener email. Oh, boy. This one's from Eduardo in New York City. It says, Kurt, I was listening to your Perfect Persuasive Presentation webinar. Thanks for the formula to the Perfect Persuasive Presentation. It says, can you go into more detail about handling the heckler? Because I've got a heckler at work that's always heckling me. What can I do? How can I stay in control? Well, Eduardo, first of all, because we're reading your email on the show, you get free access to InfluenceUniversity.com, the gold membership. Remember, everyone, that's at InfluenceUniversity.com. You can also reach me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Send me your thoughts, comments, your rude remarks, your questions. I'm happy to answer those. And, of course, we'll be posting the article at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, get a little bonus there, and get the free book, Maximum Influence. That's a new edition. That's all at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So, Eduardo, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this with everyone, the heckler. What is a heckler? Now, when I teach public speaking on a university level, we bring in a heckler from the National Heckling Federation to heckle the students because if you can't handle a heckler, this is going to destroy you as a presenter, as a persuader. Now, I know it probably doesn't exist, but they believe it. That's the only thing that matters. So what is heckling? It's anything that's disruptive during a message, whether it's somebody that's one-on-one or usually a group situation, there's a heckler. It's disrupting the audience. In politics, they call it bracketing. It's where they actually pay people to go heckle you, to get you upset, say something stupid. We see this in politics all the time. Everything's recorded, like I mentioned earlier. You got to be very careful 
with what you say when you attack somebody, even though you want to. That's your natural response. You want to attack them. You beat them up. How dare they? What a mean person. You want to yell and get angry, but you've lost all credibility if you do that. For example, a named college professor, she was getting heckled by a student. They were going back and forth. And finally, the student said, geez, don't have a cow. And she turned red, looked him right in the eye and says, I don't have a cow. I'm a full professor. I will always be smarter than you. Hello, you don't recover from something like that. The students will always remember that. You have to stay in control. Or this other professional speaker I was talking to was working with the, this audience and there was an open bar and that does increase heckling. And this elderly gentleman was being mean, rude comments and the speakers would just go home. You're not listening anyway. And he did. He went home and so did everyone else. It was the CEO. Had a tragedy in the family, a little too much to drink. Tragedy happened. Yeah. So it is more likely to happen when there's an open bar or late in the evening where people are tired after a heavy meal. When people are anonymous, they tend to heckle more. But you have to really look at really understanding when to handle the heckle and why people heckle. Heckling is basically adult teasing in a lot of ways. <laughs> I don't know if you were a teaser growing up or you were teased, but people tease to get a reaction. If they don't get a reaction, they quit teasing. And heckling's the same way. If they notice they can't get under your skin and it's not going to bother you, they're going to quit heckling. And realize, too, there's two types of heckles. There's the clueless heckle. They're missing some filters. They're clueless. They're taking a phone call in the middle of your meeting. They are talking to a friend in the middle of the meeting. They're eating in the middle of your meeting. The baby's crying in your meeting. They didn't turn the ringer off. Whatever it is, those are clueless things. There was really no evil intent there. And then that's the other type of heckle is the venom heckle. They're mean. They want a reaction. They want you to look stupid. They want to look better themselves. They're having a bad day and they're going to take it out on you. That is the venom heckle. And so you got to gauge. Is this just a clueless? I really have no idea. Oh, really? My baby's crying. Oh, am I talking too loud? Oh, really? I shouldn't talk on the cell phone during your meeting? Those type of things are clueless heckles versus is this a mean venom heckle. And I actually like heckling as a professional speaker. The fun ones where we banter back and forth. It adds a lot of energy to the room sometimes when it's handled the right way. I don't mind being heckled, even in a negative way. I think it brings a lot of spice to a presentation. It makes my job a lot more interesting. So learn to embrace the heckle. Even the environment can produce heckling. It's too hot in the room. I've had a polka band next door. Your projector breaks. Someone trips over your laptop cord and breaks your projector. I was teaching a seminar in Florida and a, and a large boat beached itself. That's a, kind of an outside heckling. Or wedding starts and everybody wants to watch. Speaking to a large group of chiropractors and the food was starting to get delivered. That could be heckling and the fire alarm going off. A lot of different things can happen. Then the clueless, of course, too many questions. I remember at a seminar, this beautiful girl walks it in a bikini, says, hey, can I come learn? Well, come on in. <laughs> Or the baby, the baby crying. And you got to be careful because your natural reaction is, shut the baby up. <laughs> and it's what everyone's thinking, but you can't say those things because now you're the mean person. Or one time I had this guy in the back, wow, just reeked of urine, just really bad. Everyone's eyes were watering and that would be heckling. Clueless probably. Well, I don't know if it was clueless. I'm assuming it was clueless. And he got the tap on the shoulder that he had a message outside, a message, nobody knows I'm here, but there's a message for you. And the message was for my staff, like, yeah, you're out. <laughs> it's better that one person have to leave the room than destroy the whole room. And Venom, of course, they have to have a better idea. They put you down. Why it won't work? They make fun of your mom. They make fun of your shoes. They make fun of 
your politics, whatever it is, they go after you. I saw one once at one of my seminars. It was innocent. Man and a woman. Looks like they really fall in love. Kind of cuddly. I'm like, all right, I can deal with that. Kind of a clueless heckle. Then it kind of turned to some venom when the wife walked in and I realized I didn't know it at the time. That wasn't his wife. That was somebody else. That went to venom. That went to yelling. We had to take a break. You have to control the environment. You have to control the person. Otherwise, it's going to come back to haunt you. So how do we deal with this? I have a couple different stages that I go through, and hopefully this will help you understand heckling. Again, it's adult teasing. They're looking for a reaction. Don't give them the reaction. Even though it's really upsetting and it's rude and it's mean and you've spent three days preparing this presentation, you've got to stay in control. They are judging you because if you go off on them, you yell at them, you're going to lose all credibility. So in the first stage, maybe ignore it or just kind of look at them and let them know that you've got the heckle, that you acknowledge them. So maybe just a little smile, pause, ignore. It's not getting to you. Maybe you can respond with a little humor. Humor diffuses a situation. I think the best example is when Ronald Reagan was being heckled for his age. And he just smiled and says, you know what? I'm not going to make the youth and inexperience of my opponent an issue in this race. Everyone smiled. Everyone laughed. They moved on. Done and done. (laughs) So maybe give them a little attention if you need to. Let them speak. Let them tell their joke. Let them do what they need to do. But be careful that they're not getting tired or their blood sugar's dropped. or they're not getting enough caffeine breaks, that can increase heckling. But remember, the most important thing, it's not getting to you. But you can just give them that glance, that smile. You don't have to respond. Or again, you can give them a little time, let it get out of their system. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. And you move on. Stage two, that's as if stage one is not working. You got to make sure they're no longer anonymous. I mentioned earlier that when people are anonymous, it increases heckling. When nobody knows who they are, where they work, what they do, have them stand up, introduce themselves, what company they're from, depending on the situation, that can reduce heckling. Maybe if it's a clueless heckle, the type of person that has a question every five seconds, a comment every 10 seconds, they're trying to prove their worth. It could be clueless, it could be venom, but it's probably clueless. You might want to pull them aside at the break and say, hey, I appreciate all your questions and comments. I'm trying to get everyone to participate. Can you help me out and just kind of identify what's going on? And when people are heckling at this point, don't tell them that they're wrong. Just say a thank you. If they're all upset, maybe apology. Apology is cheap. Well, I apologize. That was not my intent. And they say, well, don't do it again. You say, of course. Or you might take a little control and say, that's going to take us off course. Let me email you that response. Let's talk at the break. And at this stage, too, if you know there's a heckle in the room, maybe you want to talk to them ahead of the meeting. You're trying to get everyone to participate. You're going to hold your questions to the end. Or talk to their manager or the sponsor or the organizer and say, you know, can you keep your eye on so-and-so? We've had some challenges in the past to reduce that. Especially to start getting a little venom in there. You can feel it in the room. You never want to attack the person yet. I'll get to that point. I know you want to, but if you attack a helpless person, if you attack even a mean person, sometimes you can lose credibility. And that brings us to stage three. Okay. Now you can attack them, but be very careful here. You have to sense the audience is on your side or let the audience do the attacking. So this is the point where you might want to call security or take a vote to see if that's where the class wants to go. You might want to confront them and tell them, all right, you might as well leave or again, use your audience. If they're being mean and angry, open it up. Audience, what do you think? What do you want to do here? And let them attack. You don't attack maybe at this point, but throughout these stages, it's always better to let your audience attack. Let me give you an example. I was doing this webinar. It was a four-hour webinar. And this lady kept chiming in with these mean, venomous, just awful comments. 
And we were about halfway through, and she was getting a little bit better, but then she broke in, and she says, Kurt, I speak for the whole group. You're way off course. You're not even covering the things you need to cover. Just went on and on about some mean things. And of course, my natural reaction is, look, right? You want to get upset and angry and yell. Didn't do that. Stayed in control. <laughs> Been through a lot of these. I said, thank you for your feedback, even though I wasn't thankful. And I said, let's open it up to the group and see what the group thinks. <laughs> and it was awesome. They called her the B word. They told her to hang up and she did. And it was done. And we moved on. <laughs> I felt a lot of those same things they were saying, but I let the audience say it. Or again, you could call security, depending on the situation, what you need to do. But don't lead with those. Those are different stages of heckling that you can deal with. Because when you attack, there's no recovery. Especially when you get angry and blood leaves your brain, you can say some really stupid things, which are now always recorded. In fact, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. It's an older TV show. There was, a, there was someone on the show named Kramer, if you know the show. Anyway, the show was over. He was on a comedy tour, different comedy clubs, and he was getting heckled. Part of the job, I think, when you're a comedian getting heckled, but he got upset, went racial, said some things that were just mean and ugly. Of course, it was recorded, and of course, we haven't seen him since. It's one of those things you got to be very, very careful of. And even the venue, if you're seen as insensitive, a clueless heckler, I don't know if you can call this a heckle. I saw this one professional speaker was up there doing their clothes, finishing up to sell something, and Somebody comes up and wants an autograph on their book because they have to leave early. <laughs> they got to go home and watch their kids in the middle of a presentation with hundreds of people in the room. That could be Venom, but probably clueless. And he just smiles and says, I'm in the middle of a close here. And he did sign the book. He could have got angry, upset, and yelled, but then his audience could have turned against him. Or what I've mentioned in a previous podcast, that whole environment, when I was speaking at the travel board for in Chicago, and the speaker in front of me was talking about child prostitution. It was just a heavy, deep, dark, important, but just a dark topic. And luckily I was there to see it and we could stand up, take a break and move on to a different topic. Because if I just started off enthusiastic and fun and humor, there would have been a disconnect with that. So even little environmental things can really hurt your ability to persuade and influence. So the way you deal with a heckler is very, very important. The way you deal with that person that has so many annoying questions. I've even done this before. We start the meeting. All right, everyone gets one question. We want everyone to participate. And that person raises their hand. I'm like, that's your one. And they put their hand down because they don't want that to be their one. Or you just hold all the questions at the end. This one's simple. If you're expecting heckling or mean questions, you just say, all right, we've got 60 minutes for this meeting. I'm going to answer 99% of your questions. Let's do a vote here. I can just go straight through. No question. It'll take us 30 minutes and take questions at the end. Or we can just go 60 minutes with questions throughout the presentation. Which one do you want to do? I guarantee it's 30 minutes and someone raise their hand and the person's like, dude, uh, 30 minutes and they'll put their hand down and you just can move on. So stay in control. Do it with a smile. Don't let it get to you. Don't let their teasing pull you down. I know you want to. I know you want to slug them. I know you want to yell at them. I know you want to spit on them, whatever it is, especially the mean ones. You've got to stay in control because if you lose control, you lose trust, you lose credibility, you lose your audience. Unless they've been so mean and vindictive, the audience is on your side then maybe you can do that. Or unless you're in New York City, which you are, Eduardo, that's probably about the only place on earth where you can say, that's a dumb question, I'm not going to answer it, and people like you more. <laughs> so it depends on the makeup of your audience and the demographics of your audience. So Eduardo, thank you for that free Influence University for you. Remember, everyone, there's also a free version of Influence University. But thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hit like, hit subscribe. 
We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. And check out our YouTube channel at Maximize Your Influence, where I take something from the podcast and supersize it a little bit to get you a little more information on being more persuasive, being more influential, being more motivating, and having a higher emotional intelligence. So handle the heckler, stay in control, be more influential, and go out and persuade with power.